0: I'm working, it's about me and this continual search, this continual research, this continual work I'm doing to try and reconnect with my memories.
1: This is the 2022 Toronto Biennial of Art podcast series, Tape Talk, Acts of Engagement. My name is Chiedza Paspanochka. I'm a Curatorial Fellow for the 2022 Toronto Biennial of Art. Ngozi, We Might Listen for the Shimmerings is a curatorial project I developed across three biennial sites. It features the work of Bushlebe Siwani, Timothy Yannick Hunter and Anzanele Mutema who I spoke to in March 2022 when she visited 72 Perth Avenue to install her work, Systemic Necropolis.
0: My name is Anne, and I'm an artist. And I'm a conceptual installation artist and also a sculptor. My work is about phenomenology and All the things that constitute an event and the objects, the space, time, everything.
1: Anne joined me at 72 Perth Avenue shortly after the biennial opened on March 26th. We sat in the back room of this older building. Neither of us had spent much time in it as of yet, steadily recounting shared stories of ritual and upbringing from Harare, Zimbabwe. We hear Shazad Dawood's Leviathan, episode seven, bellowing from just outside the door. The sound of the Senegalese mangroves becoming familiar over the course of the recording. Anne has been a practicing artist for over two decades, her work transforming to meet a point in time which coincided with my study of shimmerings and phenomenology. In this conversation, she shared with me the deeper origins of her practice as they relate to her current work how surrounding material and familial lineages played such a strong and present role, and how the reclamation of memory through an event is at the centre of it all.
0: I used to draw a lot. I used to like drawing a lot. Um, At that moment, I didn't know, I didn't have any words to put to the feeling that I got from drawing. It was just this excitement, this satisfaction. And... I remember sitting on the lawn at my grandparents' place and I'll just draw, you know, just look at pictures and copy them and draw. And then when I go to school, it was, I can't even explain it or describe it, but I was so happy knowing that there are people out there that actually do art. And I called artists and I was like, yes. So we had all the subjects to do, drawing, painting, printmaking, sculpture, assemblage and all, and all, and all. So I tried all those before, but there was not a deep connection with it when I was doing it. But when I was not doing assemblage, ah, yeah, yeah. That satisfaction and that happiness I got from drawing is the same one that I would get from assembling things, picking up things, picking up old things. I used to love old things, like things that have been through a passage of time. And then kind of telling stories simultaneously that it's telling me its story. And I'm also now telling my story through that. So I used to work with a lot of metal and wood, my early works, and stitching as well with wire. So that was like... The most liberating feeling when I'll be working the metal that I'd ever gotten for that part of my journey.
1: Living and working in Harare, Zimbabwe, Anne has leaned into how traditional crafts and methods have furthered her work assemblage. She speaks of the subjects she ran away from in high school becoming prevalent parts of her pieces, and how the rituals of matriarchal upbringings influenced her immensely. And again, the event, a point in time that she captures, wrapped in plastic, with her work. The nature of the thing, the build-up to the embodied result, is introduced.
0: My mom used to sew. She's passed on now. But she used to do a lot of sewing, like not full time, but she would always be sewing something like some project curtains or something. And she had this book, It was like a compilation of different stitches that she had from high school because she did fashion, the one that I ran away from <laughs> in high school. <laughs> so she had a compilation of different types of stitches. And she used to love that book so, so much. You know, one of those things that mothers always, you know, want to protect. Exactly. Like, don't touch that. When you touch it, like, did you put it back, you know? So that was that book. So growing up, it was just, you know, ah, that book, that book. But I would look at it every now and again. I'm like, ah, interesting. Oh, you can actually do this with your hands, you know? Because I thought... Those complicated or, you know, fancy stitches, they were done by a machine or something. That book, at that time, didn't mean anything to me. It was just another book. So a friend of mine borrowed the book, and I took it and I gave it to him, and I didn't ask my mom. So I then forgot about it, then she passed on, and I was like, huh, this book, I need to get the book back. I asked him, he'd lost the book. I felt like if I had found it, it was going to be, like, her memory. Like, not her memory per se, but like exactly a connection and, like, an extension of her touch. Because she did those stitches using her hands. So from there, I did a work called Sis Luna Lulu. They were, like, letters to my mum where I used a lot of stitching. So then I was trying to remember those stitches that I used to see in that book and then try to put them on the little, they were very little, tiny pieces of cloth. Then I will try to then do redo those stitches from the memory that I had about that book. So from there, stitching before was just like, I don't, I, I, I don't know what to say, what it was, but it was just something that gave me satisfaction, you know, like... I wouldn't call my work complete before I had stitched it. But from there, it was like a realisation that, oh... I think stitching, because it was now a cathartic process, that stitching is like a connection to the memory of my mum. So from there, stitching has been like a very, 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 very important element in my work for me, personally...
1: Systemic Necropolis, which exhibited at 72 Perth, is a mixed-media work of muchairo, brooms, encased in plastic and red stitching. They hang, swaying lightly with the breeze, fans, and pulses of the space. Assembled in various shapes and sizes, Systemic Necropolis allows for immersion in what Anne is trying to share with us. The muchairo is more than a household object, but rather an artifact of Chivano, specifically Shona, culture, as Anne explains further. I asked her about her choice to use this object against the reclamation of her memories and what it meant to her personally.
0: So the brooms to me, they are something that we're just so used to that you don't even think about a broom anymore in Zimbabwe Zimbabwe, yes so with the objects that I use for my work I use I don't know if I can say common but those objects that you find in a in a house like almost every Zimbabwean house has that object so I use those objects and for me they have a lot of stories and a lot of memories if I can say imbued in them and they are such time capsules like immensely so for this now it was like an idea that I had over the years and then it just felt right like I think I should do the work the brooms work now so I bought some brooms and I collected some brooms from friends and familiar places so for us in Zimbabwe a broom is just something that Every household has mchairo, as we call it. The broom to us in our Shona culture is like it's something that's so what can I say? Something that we hold dear, but at the same time, it's just everywhere, everywhere. like it's nothing, but it's everything to us. So all those taboos and the dos and don'ts that surround them chairo. Don't hit someone with them chairo. When you're sleeping, you have to check if tham is in the house. There's the thing that you must put in the house. You mustn't sleep outside. And don't borrow someone's broom. And don't give someone your broom. And you even when you put it in the house, you just don't you don't throw the broom tham You place it nicely. There's a way you must position it. Not like upside down with the part that you hold on the floor, it has to be up exactly. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) you know. So, looking at systemic necropolis, I was then not playing per se, but juxtaposing the broom, taking those do's and don'ts, and then changing them. The mchairo accumulates a lot of things dirt, hair. You name it, it's collected in there. Mm-hmm. So for me, the chairo was now a time capsule where all those memories, all those collections are kept. When I'm working, it's about me and this continual search, this continual research, this continual work I'm doing to try and reconnect with my memories.
1: Phenomenology can often be described as the study of phenomena, how things appear, how we experience them, and the meaning of those experiences. Theorist Roland Barthes reinvigorates and reapplies phenomenology to photography through the term and phenomenon of shimmering. Shimmering is an aspect or entity whose meaning is perhaps subtly modified according to the angle of the subject's gaze. In Anne's work to reconnect with these memories, we spoke about her curiosity towards phenomenology and the way she approached it and interpreted memory through this lens of inquiry.
0: We don't pause as much as we ought to or as much as we would like because things are just happening here. Things are just happening. People have memories of something if A, it was sad, B, it was like a very good one. And there are a lot of things that then trigger or bring that memory back. So for me, it was looking at all that and saying, oh, okay, we have, mem- like everyone has memories. Mm-hmm. Be it bad, good, some are now faint, some are very vivid, some are vague. And I was looking at all that and the relevance of memory to me. Then I saw that there was this deep connection with memory. And I had so much to say, and I still have so much to say about memory. You know, like day by day, I'm discovering something new, and it's becoming more intriguing for me. It's actually something that's very dear to me and I can't even explain it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) memory and phenomenology. And now I'm bordering between phenomenology, what we know, and the ethereal, real, what we think we know or what we want to know and what we know and don't know that we know.
1: Anne's work to uncover memories is ongoing as she explores assemblage further as the medium of her work. As she mentioned, discovering new materials or picking up old things are all welcomed elements as she moves forward. Even after we had our conversation and left the building, walking down Perth together, she gathered gravel and rock remnants from the construction site nearby, determined to even then encase the memory and recount her time here art specifically assemblage holds power in repurposing and encasing In the non-physical and intangible memory offers a similar power while conjuring new associations for both the artist and the audience systemic necropolis is an exercise in this
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Talk Tape, Acts of Engagement. To learn more about the artists, works, and sites mentioned in this episode, and to access a transcript, visit torontobiennial.org. Talk Tape, Acts of Engagement was produced for the Toronto Biennial of Art by Roxanne Fernandez in collaboration with Katie Jensen and Ren Bangert of Vocal Fry Studios. Music is by Rosina Kazi and Nicholas Murray of Lull.